my bedroom, try to keep it dark. Hmm. I tape my mouth at night. You do? No way. <laughs> yeah, okay. of course. Of course. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, ideally, I, I would grow up in a way that I wouldn't breathe through my mouth while I sleep. Hmm. But if you wake up in the morning, your mouth is dry. It would behoove you to do something about that. I raise the back of my bed up four or five inches. So my bed's actually tilted at a 15 or 20 degree angle. Welcome to another show of the Safina podcast. I am your host, Sebastian Engstrom. And today, Aaron Alexander joins me. He is the host of the Align podcast. He is the author of the just released extended revamped version of the Align method. So we talk about biohacking. We talk about high performance. We talk about sleep, sitting, all kinds of stuff that you didn't expect normally from a health podcast. This is what he's all about. This is what the book is about. And that's why I am stoked to share this with you because I normally, when I see a health book, I'm like, ah, heard it, seen it, read about it. But he brings aspects that I did not expect out there in this world. Like the breathing is a big part. Like I started implementing nose breathing now working out. Maybe I'll take my mouth. We'll see if I do that when sleeping. So enjoy this podcast. If you like it, please do the good deed. Favor of the day, put five stars in that book. That means the world helps us spread the message to more people. It takes you five seconds. Hit a review. Even if you're on, let's say Spotify, Google, another platform, hit subscribe, like. I mean, it means the world because this helps us spread the message, helps keep the podcast alive. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode with Aaron Alexander. Aaron, amazing to have you here. Just finished your book and it couldn't be more suiting that you're sitting on your floor. You have some interesting things in your background. And that's, I mean, let, let's just start off with sitting on the floor. Like how, how often do you do that? And, and how was it acclimating to it? Well, uh, spending time on the ground is such a common thing. It's almost strange to, that it is a novel conversation. It's, it's like, you know, it's like drinking clean water, you know, like how long have you yeah. been drinking water without a bunch of pollutants in it? Like, tell me about that. Uh-huh. Like, well, I've <laughs> been trying to do it, you know, since I was a baby, you know, yeah. ideally I was, I was indoctrinated into a world with parents that have healthy hips and healthy needs and healthy ankles and healthy pelvic floor muscles and are just well circulated bags of water. You know, yeah. humans are like bags upon bags upon bags of hopefully well-circulated water and disease is a product of adhesion and dehydration and, um, you know, agglomeration and you know, sticking, binding of ourselves. Once we get sticky, our connective tissues start to stick upon themselves. Um, that can create a backup and create a dam. And mm-hmm. when we have dammed up fluids in the body, that can lead to, uh, you know, disease. And the, the process of getting up and down off of the ground is a really simple, like borderline effortless way um, to s- become a more well-circulated human being, you know, and, and just naturally throughout the day, you're opening up range of motion through the toe hinge and the ankle joint and the knees and the hips and you know, all the, all the major joints in the body. Um, and that's, you know, any culture that you'd go to that is, has not been like infected, I I think you could say, or maybe just affected by a more institutionalized lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, not to say that, 
that, that it's a bad thing to grow up in a place where you know you kind of you're taught to sit in place typically you don't get any education around mechanics of how to effectively sit in a way that does you know align and balance your spine and you know your central nervous system that's your your, your spine your spinal cord um you know and you're kind of just slouching over and then you're shortening your vision to stare into a screen or maybe you're inside of a a, a building where the next wall is maybe 10 to 15 feet away so now you're shortening those muscles and around your eyes ciliary mm-hmm. muscles and um you know, so that body it literally starts to contract at a a physical visual um level and then the correlates of that of the way that that person feels you know they start to feel maybe like a little bit bound up they don't necessarily know exactly why uh, before that happens, you are going to be getting up and down off the ground regularly. You'd be reaching up over your head regularly. Uh, you're going to be walking, you know, and it's just going to be like a part of your daily life. Uh, you ideally be breathing through your nose, you know, doing all these things that we, that we outlined in the alignment method yeah. book. That's just a, the, the, the being down on the ground. That's just an, a natural part of being human being. If you go to cultures in Northern Africa or Eastern Mediterranean or Southeast Asia, um, these places have significantly less incidence of osteoarthritis in the, in the hips and the knees, uh, less pelvic floor issues. Mm. And they just kept doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, like they kept drinking yeah. water without pollutants in it, essentially. And it's not a <laughs> yeah. weird, novel, impressive thing. It's just like, uh-huh. oh, yeah, we just, that's just what we do. Um, you know, so I started getting back into that like making that be a, like a regular part of my life probably around like age i don't know 22 or something like that oh really moved to, that moved long. to hawaii okay. I, yeah moved to hawaii when i was 18 uh-huh. and got into jujitsu you know and like yoga mm-hmm. um surfing you know so all that stuff you're you're up and down off the ground all day you know so that's the, the simple practices like that you know that just naturally organically they're gonna you're gonna be getting up on off the ground you know if you're a dancer you know or any of those things and then your body typically is quite supple and works pretty well um and then it's like okay how do we start to integrate that into maybe you know the way that i eat you know or the way that i work on the computer or the mm-hmm. way that i you know just hang out at the house it's really i mean it's so simple it's, i feel i feel almost like ass not even talking about it but <laughs> yeah then along and then, then along then along with that it's like the you know fall risk is the number one leading cause of elderly needing assisted living mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. like billions of dollars invested in healthcare for elderly you know over time um and just the sovereignty of you know having feeling like oh yeah like i feel sovereign in my body i don't feel like i'm dependent on having a red button or having you know, need a phone nearby so i can call somebody because my body just like there's certain ranges of motion that it just fails i don't have access to anymore um, you know, in pelvic floor dysfunction and just all, all of the itis that develops in our, in our joints from a, a lack of, of full functional range of motion, yeah. that simple movement patterns such as effectively getting up and down off the ground. So there's a conversation around how do you, how do, you do that effectively? Um, it literally just stops it. It's just done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's like yeah. this, this like seemingly asinine thing to be talking about has, you know, massive implications if you allow it to play out. So most things that matter, I think, are that way. It's like almost like, really? We're talking about breathing? 
You know, are we talking about spending time getting up and down off the ground regularly? Are we talking about walking? Like, really? Mm-hmm. Isn't there some complex acronyms or, you know, something we could be talking about or some supplement that we could inject into our ass? It's like, no, no, just get up and down off the ground, get sunlight, drink reasonably decent water, have decent relationships, have some level of purpose in your life. Um, you know, walk. It's it's crazy. Yeah. So uh, t- tying that back into office culture, uh, which is where I really started standing every single day. And I, I'm at a standing desk right now. I'm about to implement more of the sitting. Uh, and I think, well, I mean, you've seen a boom with that, with, with more modern uh, workplaces. Maybe it's coming in that you might be sitting on the ground more. So what, what's, what's your, how do you, how do you do that personally? Do you stand at all? And how do you implement that? I personally find a surge of energy and clarity and focus. And I find myself relaxing more and wanting to switch positions and having a harder time focusing, but it could be, I'm not used to being on the ground. Oh, I don't, I mean, I just feel incredibly uncomfortable hunching over like an asshole in a chair all day. Right. Yeah. yeah, I just feel, I just feel like a, like a a physical slob. Like I feel like my body is just like, right. So it's it's fine. Yeah. The standing part. Yeah. Yeah. Like like a standing desk. Exactly. Yes. Oh, they're fine. You know, they're they're you know, and sitting on a chair is not bad. There's nothing wrong with sitting on a chair. Sitting on a chair is great. It's like a chair is a tool. You know, it's 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 how do you effectively be on that chair, and how do you effectively um, create you know oscillations or, or or getting outside of the just the rut of being in the same position over and over again. Yep. So you can effectively be on a chair. If you're going to be on a chair for a while, it'd be important to you know maybe get some compression socks. Could be a helpful thing be important to like go through different ranges of motion while you're on the chair, you know, maybe let go of using a backrest all the time. Uh, make sure your hips are up above the height of your knees, position that chair or whatever your work environment is near a window. So you can relax and open up the, you know, the, the visual muscles, you know, go in and out between panoramic vision and myopic, like closed in focused vision on the screen, um, standing desks, you know, so there's no villains, no villains, you know, it's just, what do you want? Like, that's the thing is first defining, okay, what is it that you want from yourself and your body? And, you know, how do you want to feel when you're 50, 70, 90, hundred, whatever. And, and now tomorrow morning, you know, and then from there, reverse engineering that felt sensation that you would, that you choose. Now we start to reverse engineer it. Okay. What are the decisions that we make on a momentary basis to cultivate that? Um, you know, so sitting is fine. Uh, just define what you want and then we can, you know, go from there, but standing, standing desks, um, they're fine too. Uh, stand, standing is another weird position to be in for a really long time. Mm. So if you stand for an excessive amount of time, it's the same conversation. Blood's going to be pulling up in your lower limbs, you know, so you're going to start to develop like that, just this fluid buildup lymph and, you know, it's like mm. cankles and all that, like standing in place. Uh, is is stressful on the body, you know. So if you're, and also if you have any type of impingement in your lower back, you're probably going to be standing excessive extension for a long time. You know, so standing, the way to do that would be, you know, get yourself a little stool beside, you know. So you're kind of essentially mimicking like I'm on a little standing hike, sure. you know. So I raise my foot up, relax for a second, decompress the spine, you know, allow I'll allow a little bit of like I'm just a, a little moment for decompression, and then alternate sides, you know. 
going through that range of motion throughout the day. You can put some stuff on the ground, you know, like as we're doing this, I have like balls and random, random stuff around here. Mm -hmm. So I'll be kind of self soothing, you know, and doing a little myofascial release and, you know, rolling out my, my joints, my connective tissue. Mm -hmm. You want to keep the pool flowing, right? Remember, so you're these bags and bags and bags of water, right? And so each muscle, we define them as being, you know, these terms, you know, bicep brachialis or vastus lateralis or whatever, you know, everybody has no idea what you're talking about. Your body's one interconnected unit, you know, it's mm -hmm. an integrated form and each of those spaces, you know, that we call muscle bellies you know, they're bound by muscular septa, you know, and then within that, there's a whole bunch of sliding surfaces that allow your body to move fluidly through space. And when you start to get gunked up in one specific position, especially if it's going to be like a, a position that wouldn't bear load. Well, you know, you call it like a dysfunctional position. Um, and you're practicing and rehearsing that position over and over and over again for hours and hours and hours and months and years and decades. Like what would you expect to happen other than having some type of one, your nervous system is going to begin to not trust you sure. so much because it doesn't want to blow its blow out some joint. You know, so it'll start to shut down your potential access to power because throughout the day you kind of have like a, a crimp in, mm -hmm. you know, your, your, your main central channel, your, your spinal cord, um, you know, so standing desk within that, it's just making sure that you're maintaining movement as you're, as you're in that position, same concepts, make sure your eyes are able to relax, um, and l understanding like the art of standing, you know, Tadasana is a a fancy term for it means mountain pose and yoga. And I mean, you could write a book about Tadasana position, you know, so standing isn't just, it's not just like a standing isn't just standing, you know, the same way walking isn't just walking or sitting isn't just sitting, you know, there's, there's art and science in the way that you do those things as well. But I would take, I'm just rambling on, I apologize, but I would take standing over sitting on a chair. And then I would take sitting on the ground you know, with a floor cushion and like make it comfortable and nice and all that stuff over both of them, like mm -hmm. by far, like mm -hmm. there's no, there's really no contest. So why we're we going into this because we spend so much time working literally. So that's why I wanted to start off with that. It might be a bit boring. It's like, wait, wait, what the hell are we doing? Talking about this topic going right off the bat that stood out to me almost the most because I, I, feel versed in many of the other topics biohacking wise, but sitting and also the breathing part is one that really stood out the nasal breathing and especially, mm -hmm. and why I'm talking about these is it's like you said in the beginning, if you implement these to a, just a gradual level, you start seeing significant changes in your life and it doesn't take that much to feel well. And all of a sudden you don't need whatever your pills or your, your phone that much, whatever there are gradual things that you can start building up when you become present of what you're doing and how you're doing them. And one of the big things for me being very stressed and priding myself on being a high performer is constantly going into shallow breathing, breathing up in my chest, um, not breathing with my nose and that leading to all kinds of symptoms, um, anxiousness, uh, even IBS to degree and all these other things. I'm like, how do I make this better? So my, what I found was Wim Hof breathing like five years ago. And I did mm -hmm. that religiously every workday for five years in a row. And eventually 
it started getting me into a fight or flight response. It was incredible at first. Like I saw things, there are visions, there are all these different feline animals connecting with that. Um, it's been a more of a spirit animal to me since then. It's really connecting to that silent masculine part that is powerful and can be aggressive, but don't, I've been very kind, you can say, and people pleasing, but very connecting to that strong, forceful feline energy. So in that way, it was very powerful, but it led me into a fight or flight response eventually. And then I got it into different types of breathing. Meditation has been been a path the entire way. What you're talking about is not just something I can connect with. I, I do breathing, what we did here in the beginning, breathe in and out 10 times, say I love myself and I forgive myself almost every hour on the hour uh, during the workday. But this, this is a game changer for me. The nasal breathing and when you saying that especially when you reference the australian rugby team taping their mouths i'm like okay this is hardcore shit. do you mind going yeah. into a little bit more of that i just listened to your podcast too with uh uh oh what's his name again patrick McEwen. yes yes indeed yeah. freaking brilliant guy what mm -hmm. how would you summarize your thoughts on, on breathing well um so first i mean there's a bunch of things there one I think the, the uh, three main channels of points, one breathing being outside of just the way that you, the obvious way that you're breathing, you know, through your nose or through your mouth and, you know, diaphragmatically, you know, engaging diaphragm to pull the lungs open mm -hmm. to, you know, pull air into, into your lungs and then, you know, circulating through your body. That, that part is like the kind of the obvious idea of breathing, but then thinking of, uh, cellular respiration, you know, and so allowing your whole entire body to, to breathe, you know, mm -hmm. through allowing it to, um, move, you know, so, and allowing it to, to, to start to open up some of those, like we're talking about, like the, the adhesed, dehydrated, bound up spaces, uh, you know, your cells need to respirate, need to breathe, need to circulate outside of just you know, just your lungs being filled up with air. Mm. So I think broadening the conversation of what is breath to not just inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, you know, mouth or nose, lungs, and making that kind of be the operation. But really thinking like as you're taking a walk, you know, you're allowing your cells to respirate mm -hmm. as you're, if you are standing and you're bringing one foot up and another foot up and your foot up and you know or if you're sitting in a chair and you're kind of twisting yourself out and you're kind of reaching the back of the chair oh, oh, one of those guys mm -hmm. uh you know all of those positions are supportive for allowing you to respirate at a, at a you know a cellular level um and then the other thing that would in relation to what you're saying and then we'll get into just like the breathing the obvious breathing part but what you're saying is the the concept or, or story or identity of being a, a high performer. Um, I think that that in and of itself, there's, there can be a lot of contraction in there, you know, and if, so if a person's kind of bound up in a, a story of contraction, you know, or approval. So that's like a really common thing and it's become popularized, you know, to like, Oh, I want to be like, I think I've probably, been on podcasts called like the high performer podcast or hmm. you know whatever things of that sort uh -huh. and just even that idea it's like the concept of performing like if that's like what a person identifies with that in in and of itself goes 
uh, it almost creates a separation with yourself, you know? So mm-hmm. as opposed to just like a, a beer, you know, I just, I just, I, I've, I've found a way to effort almost, it seems effortless in the way that I, you know, the story of I, um, bees mm-hmm. <laughs> and one quantitatively, you can look at that and you say, wow, like, man, they won the gold medal or wow. They, you know, they did the 1080 flip in the half pipe or mm-hmm. wow. But in that, in that time frame of a person actually executing whatever things that would be deemed to be performance, the only way to arrive at that, that place of what would be seemed almost like maybe flow state or almost seemed like, wow, it's like a miracle that that person could perform in that way mm-hmm. is to let go of the concept of performance. And so it's, it's a kind of an interesting thing to, to have that be like our, our like mantra, you know, our motto or identity structure for ourselves. Like I'm a performer um, because there's always going to be within that. It's almost like the performance is some level of, of mask or, uh, maybe it could be perhaps like a, a lack of acceptance of self, you know, like a deeper self. Like what if, what if I'm a loser, <laughs> you know, as long as I'm attached to the concept of being a winner, yeah. then I'm, I'm in a, a highly vulnerable state. Mm-hmm. You know, be, it's, if, if you're attached to something happening to you that feels good, you're like, Oh, wow. Ooh, oh. You know, you get your validation points, you get your little, you know, your little neurochemical hits or whatever it may yeah. be. You temporarily feel good. As long as you're in that place, um, then inevitably the other side of that is going to come, you know? So I think that that's, that's an interesting construct in and of itself, just to be in a, a place of like, oh, I'm a high performer. So I wonder for you, like, where do you, where do you feel like you've got the, the identity of, of being a high performer? Yeah. It elevated me to, Okay, so I got a refresh when I moved to the United States and I now find myself, okay, I, this is a blank slate. I can start from scratch and what do I get attention from? Where do I get this endorphin hits for me doing something that people show like, oh, whoa, what is that guy doing? So it was it was really the attention, which is um, a synonym for love. And I thought that... Uh, yeah, me being in a state, I felt more purpose. Like I felt like I was doing something with my life. I didn't feel before. I'm like, ah, kind of being unambitious teenager. And all of a sudden I got this hit of, of I'm verified for being someone or something and making a difference. And then I took it to an extreme. And I'm curious too, th- this will lead into a, to a question back. You hear this with, for example, Beyonce, she had an alter ego. Um, I can't remember what she called herself, but now she merged that like she was Sasha, whatever she called herself on stage, this wild, fierce Amazon woman who was just out there super confident. And then she was more laid back, um, calm, thoughtful off the stage. And now she merged him, she said. And I heard several years back there there was one guy specifically focused on it is essential to have these alter egos that you create, that you create these masks. So I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here that you step into these, these roles because they will elevate some part of you that you would not be able to access um, in another way. You can merge them. So they're, so they're, so they're, they're tools. Yeah. But when anytime, anytime you say something like I am a high performer, if that's right. ultimately what you entirely identify with, then that's, 
that in and of itself, there's going to be a, a deeply held contraction and mm. awaiting for approval. Cause who exactly are you performing for? Right. So My if that's, for me. Yeah. If, if, yeah, I mean, yeah. that, that'd be very, very common. Um, you know, and so, so that's the thing. And, and then that comes into the, the breathing conversation. If there is a deeply held resistance or contraction or, you know, seeking of approval, you know, bated breath, waiting for someone to say that you're a good boy in whatever right. way that they say that, um, then that will be a, a, a deeply perhaps subconscious, perhaps conscious, you know, there's certainly levels of subconscious, even in the most like conscious fucking woke person, like they're, they're, the more conscious and woke they are, probably the deeper layers layers of twists and turns and impingements and contractions and maybe self denial. There typically are going to be mm-hmm. um, because to really be in a place of like effortless action, you know, way or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to identify as being a really swell guy. Mm-hmm. You're not going to identify as being a really amazing performer. You know, it's you're gonna you're going to just allow the performance to naturally manifest itself. And then when people applaud, you say, Oh, cool. Like how lovely, you know, like I received this, this is great, but I received this through you. This isn't about me. It's not a thousand people saying, ah, oh, we accept you. We love you. We're like, Oh God, I'm accepted. I love it's like, Oh, like I accept you. I love you. You know? And so if you can be in that, that kind of more circular place, and not holding on to any of the baggage of people's uh, applause or verification or val- validations or any of that, um, you know, that's, that's like really being in a, in a, a uh, you know, like a, a, a truer expression of self. But if, if you are, so if you're identifying with one specific category, like I am a high performer, cause that's, it feels good. You know, you're yeah. trying that on ultimately is all you're doing, yeah. you know, and maybe you try that on for a month, a year, you know, maybe 10 years, maybe until you die, yeah. but you're trying that on, mm-hmm. you know, and then behind that, it's like, okay, cool. I can put that down and say, oh, I'm also a, you know, I'm a, a father, you know, or I'm a, I'm a, a, a crazy person, you know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a lunatic. Yeah. I'm a, a loser. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm all of the, I'm, I'm, I'm all of the things I'm compassionate and caring. I'm a winner. Like I'm, I'm all of it. You know, like, Oh, I'm going to try that one on. And then you can flip through those. And each of those becomes a little bit less sticky because you can acknowledge them for being like, like you mentioned, like the masks that they are. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then within that journey that trickles back into the way that a person comes into like acceptance of self because now I accept all the different layers. I don't just accept one specific layer. And then that allows your autonomic nervous system and you know, your, you know, your, your respiratory system, cardiovascular system to be able to, to relax because it's in a, in a place of acceptance of itself and acceptance of the world and acceptance of that terrible thing that happened, you know, because ultimately you're not bound to one specific story of how life is supposed to be or who you're supposed to be, mm-hmm. which whoever the fuck made that story, who knows? Uh, but you're, you know, you're, you're open to the whole thing. And then it's like, oh, okay, we're starting to breathe. So where are you at in your journey right now yourself? And what are the layers that are presenting themselves in your life? Well, 
I think it depends. You know, it depends who I'm with. Uh, when I'm when I'm in, if I'm in a, a, a space where people are very like spiritual, you know, kind of kind of vibe. There's a lot of that in Austin, Texas. A lot of that in LA, where I came from before that. Um, you know, or, or I, I, my tendency is to kind of go into like devil's advocate direction. <laughs> so when someone's when some when someone's really very much one thing, yeah. Um, you know, like you, like you started this conversation, kind of getting into like self forgiveness and getting into. Um, you know, self-love and all of these things. When I hear a lot of that, I'm kind of like, well, also fuck all that, you know, and just like, <laughs> let's, <laughs> you know, because you can, you can keep digging into your own layers of trauma until uh, the, like the proverbial cows come up. Like it never stops. Yeah. You just keep digging and digging and digging and digging and digging and digging and digging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, and if someone's, if I'm around someone, so then that part of me will come out and I'll be like, Oh, let's just party. You're like we should, I don't even drink, but like, let's drink, let's get drunk. If I could, we should get in a fist fight. Like we should, we should go that direction. Uh, you know, it's too soft. You know, so how do they, re- how do they react when, <laughs> when you take their approach? I think it's typically good. Yeah. yeah okay. good. I mean, I think, I think naturally people want to be in a balanced place. And typically yeah. when someone is very much in, that that like can feel kind of like i think sometimes there can be a little bit of like a victim hoodness mm-hmm. yep. in that in that spaces where people are like really going into doing the work and you know my trauma and this and that and it's yep. kind of like you know and then there can be kind of like a like a a front of vulnerability you know because vulnerability is like i've i've learned that the world applauds me when I appear to be vulnerable. Hmm. And so then I'm, I'm leading with vulnerable, the story of what I deem to be vulnerability mm-hmm. when even still, it's still a coat, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think that people, when they're in those, those places, and then there's the other side too, there's being big muscle ego machismo guy. There's been, like all there's big money Rolex guy, there's all those things. But I think when we get outside of that, it's like, Oh, well, both of those are stories. The idea that I'm a mother, or the idea that I'm a victim, or the idea that I'm a winner, you know, that I'm the elite, I'm the, the you know, 0.01% of the 1%, you know, like all of these mm-hmm. different ideas are just, they're just stories. And I think people like um, to have those stories kind of pulled away. Like it feels almost good in a way like, oh yeah, you know, and it's not, it's no one, it, it's no one person's role or responsibility or, and sometimes it can be downright rude and it might be your own projection of your own bullshit. The other person yep. could just be in their moment and there's no, you know, inauthenticity in, in it at all. And you're projecting your own shit into that. And you're actually the one that's at fault. Uh, but when there is any level of kind of like game, I think people kind of, it feels, it can feel scary and uncomfortable, but also kind of good for the game to be, uh, transitioned, mm-hmm. um, especially when a person is is I think in like the oh you know woe is me type type place, mm-hmm. and kind of getting into a, a, a you know switching gears into you know yes and you know like let's party you know we can go that direction too. So when. You take this a step further then. So beyond 
being the devil's advocate who else is Aaron outside of that well where Aaron is in the in the like the I think you know I think I'm getting to know myself mm-hmm. you know like I, I, I mean I feel like moments of I feel like moments and you know say using meditation or maybe certain like breathwork things or maybe just like you know general moments of bliss of sorts you know or psychedelic times or things of the sort um you know where feel there's like another gear you know of feeling like uh, just very safe you know and like a sensation of like being connected to everything and you know that that feels very true like it feels very like ah like that's mm-hmm. like that feels very like deeply true beyond words and then you know there's the coming back into like the the dualistic part you know and the identity and like the story and personality and hopes and desires and fears and you know all of that and uh you know, I'm I'm just in, in in process of finding deeper peace in that in that gear, mm. you know, and mm-hmm. and you know, dropping not dropping. I don't like the concept of dropping really, but creating more balance, accepting relationship with, you know, someone like the sensations of, of contraction, you know, that I've, I've picked up along the way. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, Aaron, Aaron is in process. (laughs) So how do you, and you can say this word is overused at times, but integrate that when you have these deep experiences and you're still, you're referencing to having a balance being and making things happen in this world how do you merge the two and how do you how do you i mean you're doing things in this world you're you're talking to significant people you released a significant book how do you merge the two into uh not just going too far into one side and have you even if you had gone into one side too much please speak to it oh yeah i mean i probably go definitely too much into the separation side Mm. Uh, um for sure uh, i i think i think it's important to look at to not judge anyone i mean probably i'd say if people are listening to this or listening to you might my, my, i don't know you know about what you do outside of this but my sense is they probably have had like unicity in quotation type experiences i imagine if they've arrived here right um and you know, there can become like an attachment to that, you know, and then like the story of like being a spiritual person and, you know, Ram Dass has a, a bit where he talks about, you know, needing to, you, you've been dropped into a human, the human suit, you know, human sure. incarnation, like take the human curriculum, asshole, mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to be so fucking spiritual? Um, you know, and, and, and so I, I think that there's value in everything. There's value in all of it. So that unicity part, just to kind of break it down a little bit more binary, say like unicity, duality, unicity, duality. I think it's like looking at perceiving that to be kind of like, uh, like respiration, mm-hmm. you know, you inhale, that activates more of that, that sympathetic, you know, get or done side of the nervous system. You exhale, 
activates more of that parasympathetic rest, relax, you know, chill the freak outside of the nervous system. You know, so I think that we have, it's the healthiest mind body would be the body that oscillates freely in and out of unicity and duality and has certain anchor points throughout the day. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe you meditate or maybe you go for a run, maybe you go for a swim, maybe you go for a surf, maybe you have sex, maybe you do some breath work, like whatever your thing is. Maybe you just chill. Maybe you just pay attention. Like maybe you wash dishes and you just notice the, the weight in your feet. You notice the temperature in your skin. You notice like ambient noises or sounds in your environment. You know, and you just have that moment of like, ah, oh, checking it. You know, and that that starts to make you feel maybe a little bit more rested or make you feel a little bit more creative or you know, puts you more into that awareness of like, oh yeah, like truly everything is gonna be all right because like I can't fail. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is just a, a, this is just a novel that's playing out, yeah. you know, and, and whatever happens, it's, it truly is perfect. Like I, I can, I can absolutely identify like a hundred percent, like, yeah, like this is, you know, cause I'm not ultimately maybe afraid of death because death also is a story. You know, so if I'm mm-hmm. concerned about losing this body or losing these friends or losing these, whatever my, my car, you know, whatever stuff that I've accrued. I'm not worried. Today. I'm not attacked. None of there's no stickiness around any of that. I could transition out of this thing and it would be, you know, it, there wouldn't be like a, a contraction around that. Um, having some moment where you can kind of start to dip into that, that space and then gather the lessons that you get from that into a conversation with another person where we're truly are, you know, you know, two separate minds kind of ping pong back and forth with each other, you know, or integrating that into, work with a book or integrating that work into whatever, whatever your work is or your life is, um, you know, starting to reconstruct your personality with that awareness that, you know, the, the truth that you get maybe from whatever your, your spiritual and quotations practices, and then, um, you know, integrating that into your, your, your separate personality, yeah. you know, and then you get personality guy for a while and you might notice, Oh, now I feel triggered by this thing this makes me pissed off now i feel really horny now i feel really greedy now i feel you know fuck that guy he's an asshole you know oh you don't love me i don't love you you know or like whatever you know whatever your your things are and because you have the momentum from being in that spiritual practice place you can kind of start to the same way that you're not identifying with any of the other stuff we were talking about in the, in the, in the spiritual realm. Okay. Um, you can say, Oh, okay. Interesting. Like I get this, this reaction in my stomach every time I, you know, whatever this person calls or something happens, this person cuts me off in traffic or whatever. Um, and I can say, ah, there, there's that thing. Great. Love it. Accept it. It's fantastic. Um, see what the deeper lessons are within that, as opposed to just trying to push it off to the sides. Like, oh, like, don't like that, like cut it out, drop it, you know, say like, oh no, like invite it, say, wow, why does my, why do I have this IBS right now? Mm-hmm. You know, why do I feel inflamed right now? Why do I feel, why do I have back pain every time, you know, I, I go to, to my office, right. you know, and I sit yeah. in that chair, is it just the chair or is there some other kind of thing happening here you know so starting to actually enjoy those moments of tension and uh you know inviting them in to see what they're actually suggesting i think that that 
opens up another level of information and availability for growth because now as opposed to these things just being weights these reoccurring kind of like goblins underneath your bed that you're trying to like keep pushing underneath um it allows you to actually you know address those things and then on the other side of that is probably is is more cycles of that you just keep on going through cycles of that yeah so what does a day look like because you're going into some deep concepts what does a day look like for you a regular day because there are many practices and there are many concepts that you've spoken about and there's so many different topics that we can't even discuss during this podcast it's in the book but what what is what does a regular day for you look like so you can incorporate what you're speaking to yeah well um uh, try to pay attention to maintaining some level of consistency around sleep sleep's a big thing um my my bedroom you know, try to keep it dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I tape my mouth at night. You do? No way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. of course. Of course. All yeah, it's a right. big deal. Yeah. I mean, ideally, I, I would grow up in a in a, in a a way that I wouldn't breathe through my mouth while I sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you are, if you wake up in the morning, your mouth is dry, uh, it would, it would behoove you to do something about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So taping your mouth is a really easy solution. I just get some of that, you know, like the surgical, whatever tape you get, like a Rite Aid or CVS or something. And it's kind of like water resistant. And uh, yeah, so tape, tape the mouth while I'm sleeping. And there's, you know, a long list of reasons of why that's supportive. You could, you know, it's all in, I think, chapter, I don't know what, chapter eight or something like that in the Lime Method book. Uh-huh. Uh, or your list of podcasts, Patrick McEwen or Wim Hof or, well, Patrick McEwen would be better. Um, and just trying to maintain uh, pretty decent consistency around sleep. So try to be in bed, like going to sleep around 11 or so. And I usually get up around like seven. Um, I raise the back of my bed up. So my bed's actually tilted at like, I don't know, probably like a 15 or 20 degree angle or so. So it's raised up like, like, like four or five inches. How so? Uh, uh, Just the back. So I just got a bunch of books in the back of the bed. Yeah. And what's the benefit? Yeah. Uh, the suggestion is it's helpful with circulation of fluid in the, in the brain. So it's helpful mm-hmm. with, uh, the, the glymphatic system. Okay. Um, you know, so that's, that can be an interesting thing for some people, uh, mm-hmm. try it to see how, see how it works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is side sleeping is, is, is suggested to be supportive with that as well. Most of the research has been done with, with mice, you know, so there hasn't been much research in, the support of the lymphatic system with side sleeping with humans. Um, but that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, and then getting up, I try to expose my eyes to light, like, mm-hmm. um, like immediately upon getting up, mm-hmm. you know, so Andrew Huberman is a great resource. He helped with the vision chapter in the alignment of the book. Um, you know, see, so he'd be a great resource to go deeper into all of that, but it kind of like sets your circadian rhythm and that infrared light in the morning. It's just very supportive for kind of like tuning your neurochemistry and your whole, you know, your endocrinology and everything. Uh, go for a walk, you know, like get outside, uh, kind of like have a moment being with that. And then uh, try to get some fitness in the morning of some sort, you know, so do like some kind of like workout type thing. Try to postpone coffee for, you know, whatever, 45 minutes, hour or so. Uh, but love coffee, put like protein and some fat and stuff in there. So you work out the, early mornings, that's your preference? Not like early mornings, but typically around like like after an hour of getting up or so you know so i like to have the morning to kind of have like a, a bit of a, a container for you know other stuff 
you know, whatever I feel like in that, in that morning, but typically it's like some kind of like little meditation thing, just getting outside, chilling, listening to music, kind of just like, you know, not having much interruptions. And then that transitions into exercise. And then the day is typically midday is when I, I have, um, schedule any kind of like podcasts like this now, mm-hmm. um, or anything that would be like deemed like work in quotations is mm-hmm. typically between the hours of like 11 to like four. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the evening I keep that as a container as well. So I typically don't, don't schedule much stuff that would be in the category of like work, unless it's like something I would just, is fun. Something I enjoy mm-hmm. doing after four. So the nights are open to, I go to a, a place I do cold uh, plunge and sauna. I'll go through like a few rounds of that. I've been doing that for the last month. So the big thing would be like morning time as a container, midday is like work availability, and then evening time as a container, and then maintaining consistency with sleep. Um, and yeah, those would be the main things. There's like cha- like like maintaining like chapters throughout the yeah. day. I think is the thing that's important. And then also having you know uh, those anchor points. You know, coming back to some something that brings you back to like, you know, yourself. Yeah. You know, so if you're always just buzzed up throughout the day of like errands and getting stuff done, I think it's very important to, you can have set anchor points, like bigger anchor points. We kind of take them I'm going to do a five minute meditation or something like that. I'm just going to breathe, you know, but you could also start to ideally integrate that into the way that you inhabit yourself throughout the day. Mm-hmm. That's really what the Align Method book is. You know, it's, it's like a user's manual to educate people on how to integrate the concepts that you learn from fitness or sport or breath work or mindfulness or whatever. Um, how do you start to make that who you are as opposed to a thing that you do? Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm, you know, I'm really enamored by, I don't know, like philosophy. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's really interesting. Like why, what the hell we're doing here in the first place? Like, why are you moving? Why are you working out? You know, is this just like a virtue signaling game that you're doing? That's great if it is, but like, let's, let's, like, let's investigate like why that is. Um, And then from there, you know, is it, is it maybe, is it available for us to find even deeper meaning or purpose in why we're going to the gym in the first place or why we're sitting on the ground, you know, mobilizing our hips and our, you know, our joints or why we're eating what we're eating. You know, it's like the question of why is very interesting to me. So uh, let's uh, wrap it up with a few flavors of Aaron, uh, the rapid fire questions. What type of workouts do you do right now? You've got very skilled at gymnastics. So that's very alive for me, calisthenics. But what, what, what workouts do you do currently? I don't think I'm that skilled at gymnastics or calisthenics, but I'm, you know, I'm like a novice of a lot of things. Um, so I, um, you know, I, I think I'm kind of like a, a generalist, could be uh-huh. a term, which I think humans in general are generalists. You know, so we get mired Very by skilled specialization. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you if you put me in most physical scenarios, um, I'm like a, a B minus or a C plus or something. You know, there's not there's Almost. not many things that there's not many things that I'm like, oh, you know, I'm pretty good with. I have pretty decent like body awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think that that's something that I find really interesting. So just just maintaining. Um, a, 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 a sensation of feeling like a student and like enjoying that experience. So I'm always, you know, I'll train with different people and I am typically really excited to just see what people are doing, you know? So if I'm training with, you know, whoever it on it or, you know, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I live in Austin. So I live like, I train it on it gym out here. Um, 
you know, I'll, I'll just take on whatever people are doing, you know, and try something mm-hmm. new. Cool. We're doing like okay. maces or we're doing calisthenics or we're doing, uh, you know, whatever the thing is. So that's something that I, I enjoy is, is being a novice. Um, I'm boxing right now. So that's something that I'm, I'm really engaged with and really dig like the dance and the art and the science and we call it the sweet science of boxing, like the coordination of your whole body to be able to create power uh, at an end point being, you know, your fist is just so cool. I mean, it's like an endless education in that. Uh, I do some kettlebell stuff. You know, I do. It's really like, like a lot of different cross training and, and novelty. I've gone through different chapters with training right now. The, the thing that I'm the most excited about is kind of like powerlifting, calisthenics and boxing. Nice. Uh, we'll, uh, so, so quick answers to the last one. Let's just squeeze them. Yeah, sure. So, uh, food, what do you eat? How often? I try to eat typically a, a fast earlier in the day. Uh, I just did a podcast with Dr. Stacy. It's okay if we go a little bit over, okay. over one. Um, I just did a podcast with Dr. Stacy Sims, who she's like preeminent researcher scientist of the difference between men and women, particularly around the, the menstrual cycle of, of women and how that affects their nutritional needs and, you know, fitness approaches and things of the sort. Um, so there's, a, I think there's a lot of like conflated information. I don't think I know there's a lot of conflated information of, of how men and women should be eating and performing, sure. you know, performing in the sense of just like doing training. And so I like a, a fast earlier on in the day. Um, and then I'll typically won't eat anything until I train. And so if I don't train, there's a good chance that I just won't eat until dinner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll typically around two meals a day. First meal is pretty light ish. Uh, it's typically protein and fat based kind of keep myself in a little bit more of like a, you know, upright, uplifted, energetic type direction. And then I will save the carbohydrates for the evening. I'm not excessively dogmatic or robotic or like quantified self with any of this stuff. Uh, but it's kind of more like a feel thing. If I, I'm totally open to eating breakfast for a few days and seeing how that goes. Uh, but that generally speaking, the, my approach is not a lot of calories early in the morning. The calories that I do eat would be from protein or fat, uh, light ish lunch. Again, most of protein fat stuff. Uh, so like a poke bowl or something like that would be a great example. And then evening, all the sweet potatoes and yams and just, you know, veggies and meat, uh, love organ meats. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we, it's very important to be eating. If you're going to, I don't know, eat food in general, I think eating nose to tail is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are, you know, a vegan or vegetarian or, or something of the sort, I think that's fine. I know people that are successful with that. It's just way simpler to eat nose to tail. Um, you know, you can survive quite fine just exclusively eating nose to tail. Um, it reacts kind of funny with some people's bodies, but generally speaking, like your, your body will, will do pretty good for a while, just eating the entirety of an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so just as a general shotgun, I think it's, that's, that's a really beautiful thing, especially if you're like, if you're like a, a, a pregnant woman or you're training really hard or something of the sort, I think it becomes kind of a no brainer. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much, I try to stay hydrated, you know, like, duh, you yeah. know, so, so simple stuff like, like that, try to try to, to not eat within typically around like a three hour window of going to bed. Um, mm-hmm. but then going to bed, uh, having 
a little bit of something kind of like sweet is advisable. Mm-hmm. You know, so that people oftentimes will have um, low blood sugar throughout the night and it can impede the body's ability to go into deeper states of sleep like REM. And so that's something that I'll, I'll do sometimes. I have like a little banana for before bed or something like that. Hmm. That'd be like a typical kind of typical day. And, you know, and sometimes they, you know, bullshit too, but it's but typically, I don't, I don't really like enjoy most things that would be classifiable as bullshit. Uh-huh. So thankfully that's just, that's shifted over the years that if it's, if it does, if I don't deem it to be like, Oh, it's like, pretty quality like densely packed food with some you know some level of nutrition i usually just don't enjoy it that much so i think that's just been like years of like telling myself stories about health or something and now it's like (laughs) oh i like i enjoy the taste of healthy shit yeah 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 i'm uh very much at a similar stage two meals a day uh yeah the whole shebang but we won't go into that right now but last question inward Mm -hmm. practices uh what's alive for you meditation wise breath wise and what is a question what is alive to you that you ask yourself what are you pondering and they go hand in hand usually hmm. Hmm. well i mean i think just old-fashioned meditation just really good for you you know i just did a did a podcast with uh what was her name dr amishi something dr amishi who's had a book she did rogan's podcast a couple weeks ago um What's her name? Amishi Ja. Anyways, uh, she broke down in our conversation that like the minimum viable dose of meditation to create uh, uh, like visible, measurable neurological impact. She suggested 12 minutes a day. Hmm. And so I've kind of hung on that as being like a, a baseline of like, okay, like at least 12 minutes, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a nice thing. Um, I try to get that in in the morning and the, in the evening, like upon waking ish and before going to bed. Um, you know, so I think just that, like that's, I did a Vipassana meditation a few years ago, which is like a 10 day sit. You just pretty much just don't do anything, but meditate for, for 10 days. And they like, they feed you and, you know, they give you a shelter and all that stuff. And you meditate for an hour, you go back, hang out for like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour or whatever. And you come back and meditate an hour. You just do that. Mm. You, know, you get up like four thirty in the morning. Um, and in that Guenka is a guy that, that founded the, most of the centers. They, he's suggests that, you know, you can pretty much just sit through most of your shit, mm-hmm. you know, and if you, if you don't run from it and like we were talking about before, like you invite it in, you be with it, you know, you allow your body to kind of whatever the response that you would have had to go eat some food or jerk off or get on hinge or you know exercise or yeah. you know whatever go make more money or like whatever your thing is you just sit with it uh, on the other side of that typically you know for a lot of people is some level of of restoration or healing or like being able to actually gain relationship with that thing you know, so i think that meditation is just so darn invaluable if a person's willing to like be with it and then from there you know, integrating that again, like into your daily life. So you can have a little meditation moment, just like looking at somebody in the eyes and they're like giving, they're buying coffee off them or something like that. You know, have a moment where like, Hey, like mm. I see you like, hello, you know, and, you know, starting to integrate that into your, into your day. And then I guess a question that I ask is, hmm. I don't know. 
I don't think I have a, I don't think I have a, a, a regular question that I, I regularly ask. I mean, I guess earlier I was just, you know, asking why, you know, like, why are we doing anything that we're doing? Hmm. So that would be, that would be an interesting question that I probably ask a lot of, a lot of people and myself, you know, so I think just why, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, why are you, why are you doing this podcast? You know, why are you working out? Why are you eating the way you eat? Why are you thinking the way you think? You know? Yeah. Man, I don't think I have like a specific, like deep transcendent question other than just why. I'm like, a, I'm like an annoying little kid with why. You know, I just like <laughs> yeah. keep on asking why. It can be terrible. Mm. Aaron, thank you for coming on. And yeah. I'm always going deep is uh invaluable so thank you for taking it deeper than expected and uh yeah if you want to check you out and what you were up to how do you find you um, well so we have a, a a revised expanded version of the lie method book that comes out pretty much now whenever you release this it's up for pre-sale now if, you know it's january 11th and so people can grab that by just going back to the alignbook.com that'll take you all the like the you know the, the buy button and all that stuff um you can check out the online podcast. Uh, maybe people listening to this might like like the Bruce Lipton episode. Probably a good place to point people to start. Uh, he's the guy that wrote Biology of Belief. He's like one of my favorite conversations. Um, and then Instagram, Slime Podcast. Yep. You know, those would be probably the main place. But the main, I think the main, if you're interested, most of what we talked about in this conversation isn't really, the book is way more like mechanics, nuts and bolts of like how to how to work this human human machine. Uh, you know, so if folks are interested in learning more about how to operate their bodies more effectively in this coming new year, uh, I think the Align Method is a great resource. And so the alignbook.com be the place to go for that. Nice. Aaron, yeah. thank you very much. Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Good times. Thank you for tuning in, listening to this fascinating episode with Aaron. If you want to hear some really cool stuff, I mean, his podcast is badass. I, I'll, I'll give it to him. And his book, I mean, yeah, read it too. Like I've, I've come across quite a few things in the health world. He has an incredible summary. It's almost like a uh, manual to how to live your life optimally. And he topples quite a few of the books that are out there. I won't name names, but damn, it's worth it. Listen to it read it the new extended version is out right now check out his podcast all the links are in the show notes enjoy and if you're going to connect with me same thing links are in the show notes last ask hit five stars if you like this thank you for doing such take you five seconds literally if you want to do a change today help this message spread more people just this message will spread ah to more people so you can help someone else by indirectly helping us by liking this, sharing a review, hitting a subscriber like. Thank you for doing such. Sending you much love. Peace. <laughs>